0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Drop the Mic. My name is Mo Beliveau, and I am the executive director of the Chamber of Commerce, the Greater East Hampton Chamber of Commerce. And we are back in the studio uh, with Ryan and East Hampton Media, and who are our partners in this project. So thank you very much for uh, having us back here in the studio once again for our podcast, Project Endeavor. And this is where I get to talk with chamber members, uh, local business folks, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, um, and chat about who they are, what they do, and why they do it. And uh, let's see, over the past couple of years, we've been um, not in the studio, and that was due to COVID, but we're back, and our conversation will probably touch here and there about that. But before that, we dive into things I wanna welcome today our guest, first back in the studio, president of Suite 3 Intelligent IT, Very good. Uh, Dave DelVecchio. Uh, I met Dave seven years ago when I first came to East Hampton. Um, Dave was part of the search committee for the chamber, and we got to interview together along with the search committee for my current position. So Dave is not only the president for suite three, he also has served many years on our board as uh, re- most recently as president and treasurer and has been an, an, an incredible partner in to me with me in um, helping to revision and help the chamber to be the best that it can be. And I also consider him to be friend. So that's the lucky part. So Let's get right into it, Dave.
1: Of course, the whole time I'm sitting here listening to you talk, I'm thinking about just giving you one-word answers through this entire podcast just to put you on edge.
0: No, that's don't how do that. that's how
1: friendly we are. <laughs> <Do> <laughs> how can I that. annoy Mo and make this fun for me? Yes, <laughs> yes,
0: it's kind of like that younger brother, older sister. What can the younger brother do to torment the older sister? So, uh, so Dave, how the heck are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am over the moon, as you can see. So let's start right off and dive in. Tell us who you are.
1: Well, uh, you you kind of gave a pretty healthy bio there at the beginning, but uh, uh, I am president of Suite 3 in my day job, uh, we're an IT services company. Uh, based a couple buildings up here from East Hampton Media where we're, where we're recording this. Uh, we're over Mill 180, uh, although we're not there that much anymore, speaking mm. of the pandemic, right? Although mm. as an essential business, uh, you know, I, information technology was deemed essential uh, early on during the pandemic. We gave our employees the option. So if they wanted to work remote, they could work from home. If they wanted to go to the office, they could. Uh, we're 31 people now, but on any given day, like seven is a high number. Right, that that'll work out of the office. Um, mm-hmm. So plenty of room for social distancing because uh, right, we've right. got enough space for thirty plus. But yeah, uh, it's a
0: nice big space, high absolutely. ceilings. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, very nice. So, what areas do you consider yourself to be an expert?
1: Uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> keep it narrow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, no, it's it's not that. It's it's mo- it's more the opposite. In that, um, I prefer to practice strategic humility. Um, I don't often give myself uh, maybe credit that I should give myself to do, and it's not like a self-loathing thing or anything. Um, it's actually more of the acknowledgement that as you gain information, you start to realize how much there is to know about a particular topic, mm-hmm. and you realize how given the scope of the of the subject matter, you actually only know a little bit of it. Right. Um, but that only comes with experience and with ex- you know expertise that's gained over time. So uh, I think the the place that I get the most enjoyment, I'll, I'll word it that way, out of what I do, is really solving problems by putting teams together. And you know the piece that I love is working with my staff to get them into positions to succeed um, so that they can do what they do very well and, and help support our clients as a result, um, which is also why the engagement with the chamber has mm-hmm. been so strong because I don't think it was by accident, even though I did not suggest it or wasn't even involved with it, but the engage to succeed you know, tagline of the chamber is built towards that as well Mm. it's about putting pieces together to accomplish more and uh, that's that's really what I think I do best
0: right do you have any particular um, project or um, 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 initiative that's going on right now that comes to mind that demonstrates that
1: Oh well, I mean, one of the constants with technology is change. Uh, You know, if if we were, if we didn't, if we didn't change our approach or technology mix over ten years, our technology would be obsolete. So we're in a constant state of reevaluating. Uh, do our solutions continue to solve the problems in the best way for our clients? So we're in the process of, you know, sometimes it's, it's a lot of the behind-the-curtain stuff that's happening. We're changing our whole backup infrastructure for our clients because one of the pain points we were feeling is that the solution we were using, while it still was successful backing up data, The time to recover sometimes was getting longer and longer. And so we sought a solution that when a client needs to do a recovery, they need it back as quickly as possible, um, we're moving towards a solution that's cutting down that time. It's allowing us to recover more quickly. Mm. Um, But it means we have to, like, touch the backup infrastructure for you know 150 different businesses. Right. So it's 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 like a 9-month process and we're only in like the first third of it. Um so those are the sorts of things we've got going on. Um you, there's never going to be a press release about it, but right. it's the it's the nature of the sort of thing we have to complete in order to be able to kind of keep being viable and provide the best solutions for our clients.
0: Right, right. And it's very having having been married to a uh, network engineer, IT guy myself. It's really astounding how much really does happen behind the scenes and how much updating and transferring and switching over and mirror, image, blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
1: it's, like I mean, it's a, Somebody said to me years ago. That nobody's going to know about. No, IT is uh, it is an iceberg, right? It's, like, it's <laughs> the whole thing. You, what you see above the surface, which is the end user experience, is the most important thing right. because people only really notice it when they're having problems. Mm-hmm. And the problems that you see on the surface quite often are the end result of ripple effects that started below water, right, below Mm -hmm. the water line, with all of that behind-the-scenes stuff you don't see. And so uh, because of all of that stuff that just happens behind the curtain, yeah, it's a 24-7 you know, sort of scenario, which is also a challenge because especially, uh, you know, during, through the pandemic, we were all challenged in our personal lives as well. Uh. Um, you're dealing with, you know, vulnerabilities and zero day threats where, um, we had to have fe- folks work in 24 hours to get clients patched. So they weren't vulnerable, uh, in a timely fashion, yeah, it burns people out. I yeah. mean, there's a big burnout in our industry. And so what we try to do as an organization is give people the work-life balance, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Uh, You let them have some flexibility during work hours when necessary. And we've grown as a company large enough where we can do that, where if somebody needs to take an afternoon off, they can do so. And it doesn't impact our service delivery in the afternoon. But in return for that flexibility, you might have to work on a Saturday night to do an emergency patch if we call an all hands on deck. And I've got a mature enough staff that they appreciate that sort of flexibility. And we don't abuse it. And they don't abuse it, and uh, uh, you know it's 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 been a key component of our success is giving people that sort of flexibility for their personal life, but mm-hmm. answer the bell when we when we need it done. Well,
0: I f- it feels to me like there's a strong sense of loyalty that's t- that has been built upon. Um, mm-hmm because of that philosophy. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'm really proud. I mean, it's oh, one of the things be. I'm most proud of is the fact that our average employee has been with us over eleven years. Wow. And so we've done a really nice job of attracting folks that have bought into our vision and mission and understand what we're about. Uh, And if it's a good fit, which I think one thing that I've learned to do over the years is to determine, and it's not 100%, once in a while you you misread a situation where it ends up not working out. But generally speaking, on average, two out of three hires that we do stay with us. Mm -hmm. And when I say stay with us, not for a year or two, but indefinitely. Right. Um, You know, so that's, uh, we've been in business over 30 years. We've Mm -hmm. got 31 employees. We've, in our history, have had less than 110. Mm -hmm. So the amount of retention we've been able to pick up and maintain, we don't churn employees. We've been able to retain a base because it's been a good cultural fit. And and I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of them because it's a two-way street. Right. Right.
0: Right. That's pretty cool. So uh, tell me something um, about your expertise that you wish people knew that they might not know.
1: Well, we kind of touched on part of it, which Did is we? you know what you see on the surface is is only a small component, and a lot of effort happens behind the scenes Lurking to make in that. shadows. <laughs> yeah, and and the fact is there's so many variables involved that can just monkey with stuff, right? And and uh, and one of the big challenges we faced this year was the, the the cycles between these kind of exploits and vulnerabilities and zero days, these security threats. Quite often, the way bad guys gain access to an environment is by taking advantage of a insecure piece of software or something that allows them in a back door. Well, the speed in which a, a vulnerability is announced and then bad guys start leveraging it is compressing. Right, it's like instant. Right, which is what's known as a zero day. And that's where you're trying to educate clients on, you know, an exploit is a vulnerability that's being leveraged by bad guys. And a zero day is when that exploit is happening as soon as the vulnerability is announced, meaning there's already activity happening where people are taking advantage of this. So So the amount of time that we have to put fixes in place in order to be able to mitigate those risks is compressed. That's challenge one. Challenge two is that sometimes the fix is as bad as the disease, right. meaning they'll uh, a software vendor will come out with a patch that fixes the vulnerability, but it breaks something else. Oh yeah, yeah. And so there were tons of stories of uh, like Microsoft updates that all of a sudden broke printing for you know oh, weeks I remember on end. Right. I remember that one? That's yeah.
0: pretty recent actually. Yeah.
1: Well, it's happened twice, yeah. and that's it. Once uh, more recently, once back in March. And so the uh, uh, those are added challenges because the end user only wants to print, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's, My email. Right. So sometimes it's a matter of hey, I, you know, all I'm seeing is I can't print. I could print yesterday. What's going on? Yeah. Well, we avoided potential voter, you know, exploit because we had to put a patch in that unfortunately caused a right, an right. Un, unintended consequence. And so that's where try, you know the piece that I, I hope people realize is sometimes that uh, what you see is the result of actually trying to do the right thing. Right. And and because the alternative is just ignore it, bury your head in the sand, but that's gonna lead to a much bigger issue. Better to deal with an inconvenience like not printing until Microsoft releases the subsequent fix right. than, you know, actually deal with something like a ransomware event. Right,
0: right, right. So what is the best part of your as your role as in Suite Three? And how and I'm thinking about your why.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. So and what is so, and if it's connected.
1: Yeah. I mean, and this goes back, I, I first was aware of what my why was in the 90s. Yeah, like I this. Love that. Right. So this was a long time ago. And it, and it, it was one, one thing I t- tend to try to be is a little bit self aware. Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, and, uh, uh, but I recognized that this was when we were still in Florence. You know, we were small and we were open to the public community IT shop. And we had sold a, a computer to a gentleman who was uh, doing, he had a pottery studio. And. He was subsequently featured in the Monday Business Edition when the Gazette used to do like a business profile every Monday in the paper. His picture in, in an article about his business was featured, and he was sitting on his desk, and in the background on his credenza was the computer that I had sold him. Ah. And so now I was looking at his picture, and actually, you know, sent him a note saying, "Hey, I saw the, you know, uh, you in the paper. Great article. Nice. Saw our computer in the background. Glad you know you're getting value out of it. Whatever." and uh, he ended up swinging by the office and brought me a mug and like nice. a little thank you note because i you know had sent him the acknowledgement of the article and that's when i realized what i what i most enjoy about what we do is the fact that through our efforts, we enable our clients to do whatever they do, whether right. it's make pottery or run an insurance company or whatever. And so the uh, uh, it's that additive, supportive aspect is is one aspect that makes me really driven mm-hmm. about uh, what we do. Nice. Um, the other piece, as I was talking about before, is uh, is I do love team building and I love working with our people and um, uh, I, I love trying to give people an opportunity to get some satisfaction about the work that they do, mm. so that they are feeling successful professionally and can be successful personally and so forth because, you know, to try and uh, uh, make them have the ability to be well-rounded in, in their life experience as right, well, right, get some right, satisfaction.
0: Right. Nice. What do you like the least?
1: <sighs> Boy, I'll tell you. It's the um, knowing that, I mean, professionally from a the cybersecurity standpoint that we were talking about, that we're not taking on... A thirteen year old kid in his mom's basement, we're taking on government sponsored hacker groups. Right, you know, in from, you know, North Korea and Ukraine and everywhere else. So um it, it's a mature enemy that we're and they only have to be right once. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to be right every time. All the time. time. Right. And so the the scope of the challenge when you really think about it is it can keep you up at night right? The other half of it is, okay, well, if, if I'm getting pleasure out of trying to give my folks an opportunity to be them best, their best selves, we're also responsible for a lot of mouths to feed when, when you think about that. And so um, trying to make sure that we're making decisions and doing things that are going to do right by all of our stakeholders, our clients, mm-hmm. our employees, our families, and so forth. Um, that, that, when you stop and think about it, Heavy is the head that wears the crown sort of thing. Right. Um, but uh, uh, but I don't take that lightly, you oh. know.
0: So. Right. Yeah, it's a big, big, big deal. Yeah. Yeah, for a lot of people. Um, what's the best business advice you've ever gotten?
1: I'll take this a little bit broader and say best advice, period. Okay. When I was a very young person at, a, at, a, at an age when I probably shouldn't have remembered this, <laughs> my father. Said to me, oh. <laughs> right? All right? Well, there's the right. old Mark Twain uh, yeah. comment about at 14, I couldn't realize what an idiot my father is. And at 21, I couldn't realize, I couldn't believe how much he learned in seven years. Paraphrasing, right. it's something like that. Um, I was probably around that age, 14 or 15. And my father said to me, whenever you have an opportunity to learn how money works, take it. Mm-hmm. because ultimately there are just truths that exist in markets, right? And, and so um, whether it's investment advice, whether it's, you know, um, you know, learning how loans work, right? Mm-hmm. And as a father now of high school kids, my daughters regret that that was the piece of advice that I welcomed the most because – if we start having a conversation it doesn't take much for me to veer into a discussion about you know why it's a good time to refinance right i'm trying to impart upon my daughters good mm. advice so that they get the sort of lessons and have the understanding of how money works that they can apply as they get older yeah they're high school seniors like they have no interest in most of this conversation right, most right, of right. the time and so they just know dad as like you know they don't know the character because they haven't watched cheers but right. like you know i'm kind of like a cliff clavin <laughs> where you ask me what time it is i tell you how to build a watch right right yes but i'll tell That's them true, about actually. how it is but i'll tell them about how money works and things like that because that was probably one of the best pieces of advice that I didn't take as seriously when I was in my 20s or even 30s, mm, but now right. looking back on it, you know, you, you get that perspective that time provides. It's like, man, if I knew then what I know now, oh well, right? right. And and the the, the simple things like the, the power of time on compounding a return, yes, right? Yes. You know, for every dollar you invest at 20 is worth like six by the time you retire. It's like maximize your 401k, put money in place for retirement. And uh, uh, my daughter wants nothing to do with it. My stepdaughter, bless her soul, she's going to be like running the country someday. (laughs) Good for her. Her (laughs) goal, you know, she's she's like a super saver. Her goal is to be able to like afford her first house when she graduates college sort of thing. Good for her. She's got goals. And so I've been teasing my daughter, she better be nice to her sister because (laughs) she'll need her someday. Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) What's the worst advice you've ever gotten?
1: Customer's always right.
0: Yes. Tell me why.
1: Yeah. I mean, the we are an expert, right? And, and every member of the chamber is an expert in some field. Yep. And there's nothing worse than having a client who comes to you because they have a need, who then pretends pretel- you, they then tell you what it is that you need to do to solve it. And it's like, well, if you had the answers, you probably wouldn't have needed my help. Right. You've come to me, whether... The me is IT, whether it's an insurance provider, whether it's a financial institution, whether it's a therapist. You're coming to that resource with a question that they're better positioned to solve.
0: Take the advice. Yes, I have discovered that my life has become so much easier when I have decided, since I have decided, let the experts do their job. No,
1: no kidding, right? Call me
0: when it's done. <laughs> well, and,
1: and sometimes you realize there are things that you're good at that you can take on or at least you know, do well. I'll paint a room right? I can do interior painting. I will never hang a curtain rod for the rest of my life because <laughs> I am physically incapable of <laughs> hanging a straight curtain rod. I would rather pay somebody. Right. And if and even if they hang it crooked, I'll accept it because, well, I paid a professional to do it. Yeah, that's right, right. But right. if I hang it crooked, then I'm going to look at that curtain rod and be upset the rest of my life. So there's times where it makes sense to just deal with a professional who's done it before. And so usually when I reach a frustration point with a client, it's Because that they have decided that they don't they've shut down and they don't want to take advice anymore. Right. And that's the piece that I get most frustrated with. Right. Um, One of our.
0: It seems to me like that. That's a that's a long that's a long, slow burning fuse for you. My experience with you is that is what it's been.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes a long time to get there because <laughs> you know sometimes it takes multiple iterations for people to have it finally sink in. Or, yeah, right. Or, oh, right. the
0: light bulb goes or, on.
1: Or you know maybe an incident happens or they reprioritize and they understand what you've been trying to explain all along, and uh, but that uh, uh, that process of you know well I'm hiring you but I need you to do it my way. It's, it, it's a it's a hard thing to get done. And so, again, one thing I like to pride myself on is being somewhat self-aware. My goal is to always be my my vendor's favorite client. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's to treat others the way you want to be treated. Like, I'm not going to tell our marketing company h- how to do a print ad, right. right? I'm going to tell you the market we're going after, and I'm going to expect you to provide your expertise to actually put it in a, in a meaningful package that's going to be meaningful for the audience we're trying to reach. Right. I, I don't want to do your job, right? Um, and so that, <laughs> that's that's the that's probably the biggest challenge. You right. know, that that is the most frustrating.
0: Ah, so that leads me to my next question, which we already may have already answered: is what is your biggest business challenge?
1: Well, that's one. Yeah. Um, you know, and we talked about. <laughs> I always use the example of like Sergey in the Ukraine, right? It's a you know the the, the malicious actors that are out there, yeah. Um, you know wh- whoever the uh, whoever's behind the uh, whatever threats are out there from a cybersecurity standpoint, it's obviously a giant challenge. Um, With the retention we've had, we've been fortunate in our industry, recruiting and retaining talent is a big concern. I've been fortunate that hasn't been as big of an issue for us. One thing we've had is stability. And again, that's not something I take lightly because it is a two-way street. Um, The fact of the matter is there's not an employee who works for me that couldn't find a job for next Monday Mm -hmm. if they wanted to leave. Because folks that have the experience they have, not even technical, but they have so you know even the folks who do the you know scheduling have a certain level of technical knowledge that would be valuable in other places yet they choose not to i'm proud of that nice you know i'm I'm proud of that personally that they, they've entrusted me with that but um uh and i don't take that lightly um uh, but that uh the fact that we haven't had that challenge of staffing i mm. think uh, nice. uh is uh is says is a lot one that I, it, it does but it's it's one that i'm proud that i don't have to list as <laughs> the right. biggest challenge is right. finding good people right yeah because
0: that is a big one yeah with it, those who i speak with uh as of late yep. um what what trend in 2020 um that has accelerated during 2020 thanks to the pandemic what what trends
1: oh well in technology there's been several and you know in fact actually the um the, the that question is interesting in that i've seen other articles saying that the pandemic didn't really invent new trends it just accelerated them yeah right and so the two of the biggest are remote work Right? The, the, the work from anywhere, work from home sort of scenario. And uh, uh, that the further adoption of moving towards cloud, um, which is related to that. Yeah. Um, historically, we've had a lot of clients that, for different reasons, were a little bit leery. I'm one. Right? And, and they wanted, I like to refer to it as having lunch with your data, right? They had the file server in the office, had all <laughs> of their information on it. It gave them a warm and fuzzy. It does. And in certain industries... Um, I give an example. I know of a couple law firms that were always reluctant to allow remote work because, in their case, they were scared that a junior attorney was going to steal all their data and go to another firm.
0: Right, right. And they easily. were going to lose
1: those relationships and things. And so, what happened was the pandemic hit, and companies who famously, I will never allow people to work remotely, were calling us saying, "I need everybody to be able to work remotely right. as quickly as possible right. out of sheer need." It was interesting that as recent as as quickly as maybe three months later, I was having follow up conversations with people who are saying, "I don't know why I wasn't allowing this before. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's so much better. It allows people to yeah the, the people are still as productive as they as they were when they were in the office, but they have the flexibility to help their kids with remote learning and and all of a sudden they became these big proponents for remote work. And so I don't see that being something that's going to yeah you know go back nobody's going to turn the remote access servers off nope. if the pandemic were to end tomorrow no nope. um so that's something that we've seen accelerate and then the other piece is, is you know some folks have you know think about a typical small business every small business tends to have um one or two applications that are key to what they do right mm-hmm. so you know their scheduling application whatever it mm-hmm. happens to be uh erp enterprise resource planning for like a manufacturing company then they run office and they have email and normal stuff well A lot of those line of business applications have moved to the cloud. They've moved QuickBooks online. They've yep. moved, you know, their three mail, uh, email to Microsoft 365 and things, and using an Office Online. And all of a sudden, you look up, and there might be one or two legacy things they're doing on prem, but it's easy to move those to cloud based too. So a lot of companies are moving serverless, and, uh, uh, you know, so that moving to cloud only, sort of, again, uh, cloud first, sort of mindset, uh, has greatly expanded. Um, I could count on one hand the number of clients that were cloud only pre-pandemic, and now, I mean, we're gonna. I would say, I would predict that by the end of this year, close to half of our clients will either be fully cloud-based you know, or will be on the path towards being cloud-only in a meaningful way by the end of this year.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Gotta love that. Um, what, what is your biggest insight relative to your business due to COVID that you've gotten over the past two years?
1: Wow, biggest insight due to COVID. Probably that um, you know the from it's the the perspective that's changed from the employee employer relationship. Yeah, I think employees ha- realize they have a lot more power in that relationship than they did in the past, which yeah. has led to the great resignation yep. in things in certain industries. Uh, I, and because that flexibility of work from home and in in what. Being able to access cloud information from anywhere, as long as they have an internet connection, has afforded employees, it's affording them the opportunity now to work in a way they didn't work before. Mm -hmm. Um, We have an employee who is spending more time in Indianapolis than in Western Massachusetts currently due to, you know, some personal, you know, uh, life experience things they're going through and uh we can we can do that like you know we can have a person work out of indianapolis as easily as working out of or somewhere. so from that perspective i think uh uh that there's been a lot of change in terms of perspective because of the pandemic that not even from a technology standpoint that are going to end up standing the test of time as well
0: nice so um what book are you reading now
1: Cool. I just got one. Uh, I recently had a birthday. I haven't. David and
0: I like to exchange book titles. so I'm
1: curious. Well, I'll give you a few. So, um, I I I like to kind of pivot between kind of lighthearted, a little bit deeper, maybe mix a business book in, and I'll kind of just cycle through so I don't get in too big of a rut. Give me two titles. Ah, geez. Um, what the heck was the title now? I just read... Um, ah. Well, I just got the Dave Grohl book. That was given to me for my birthday. Dave Grohl, the former drummer of Nirvana. Oh. He's the guy behind Foo Fighters. Yeah. I think it's called Storyteller. Um, I just oh, received I that for that. my birthday. So that one's queued up to read. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, also have... I'm in the middle of reading... Um, oh geez i'm blanking on the name it's a it's a it's a book about wall street in the 80s uh, about uh solomon brothers and i'm blanking on the name of the title now and i can see the cover sitting on my book stand um honestly it's not holding my attention and about 40 percent of the way through so i might end up giving that up and jumping into the dave Grohl book
0: oh okay well we'll x that one out
1: i i also read a book um uh uh, I, I, Collins is the guy's last name, but it was a book that, this is the thing is I can tell you the premises, but I'm awful with names of authors and book titles. But the book was written by the gentleman up in Bangor, Maine police department. Oh yes. That uh, he took over social media for them. Yes. And it became like a worldwide sensation. Yep. And it was his story about how he took on that responsibility and, and started writing the police blog yep. articles, but did it from a creative writing perspective. Uh, and it was, it was great because the first half of the book was that story but then the back half of the book were basically the best of of his articles nice. and so it was it was a nice easy light-hearted read because I tend to do my reading you know uh, uh as, with a no screen wind down like right. we were describing before we started recording yep, yep. right end of the day last you know half an hour hour two hours whatever not don't look at screens so I like to do my reading right before I go to sleep and so it's a great that sort of a book is a great read for that time of day. Right, right. Because it was lighthearted, for the most part, a couple deep stories about some events that, as a police officer, right. he was privy to. But um, the chapters were quick. And I always prefer that because you know how it is when you're reading before bed. It's like, oh, man, I got 18 pages left in this chapter. <sighs> right. I want to finish the chapter. Right. Give me a five-page chapter anytime, you know, because I'll get through the end of that.
0: I'm currently reading, I can't remember the author, but it's Aging Well. Oh, there you go. Right.
1: That's a challenge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, there's one song on your stuff. What one song absolutely has to be on the soundtrack of your life.
1: Oh, man. All right. That's the hardest question you've asked. Um, One song on the soundtrack of my life. Well, I guess it depends on the audience of of where it's going to be. Um, I guess... One would be, uh, for sentimental reasons, for Emily, wherever I may find her. Oh. I'm going to cry. Oh It's my daughter.
0: Nice, Dave. Oh. <laughs> Dad.
1: Yes. Um, the other piece, let's see, what else is there? Um, I, I, there was a few times I was interviewed on the radio where uh, I would make them always use um, either James Gang or, um, uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name now? The guitarist. Who's the guy behind The James Gang? Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, thank you. Ah. We'll, we'll edit this out too. <laughs> um, when I was interviewed on the radio, they would always use either James Gang or Joe Walsh songs. So we'll have to throw something like that. So I'm not going to give you a single song. You're going to have to get a set list uh-huh. uh, for what set list would I need for my soundtrack. Um, that would definitely be in there. Okay. Um, and would we'll throw a couple originals in there too that are yes. meaningful to nobody else but, but me. Yes. But having played in bands and stuff growing up, right. there are a couple of songs that either I wrote or like my good friend that I grew up with, Jody, wrote that are very meaningful to me. I'll throw a couple of those in on my soundtrack too. Nice, nice, yep. nice,
0: nicely done, Dave. So, what's up? What's up for uh, next for you?
1: Uh, oh, there's a lot, man. I mean, it's it's one of those things, again, professionally, the, the thing that's fortunate with our industry is that every five years it completely changes. So yeah. this is where, you know, when you ask questions about like, what are things that you're working on? I'm talking about something as inglorious as modifying our backup infrastructure. I actually do find things like that invigorating, exciting. And so we're looking at a lot of um, both existing Uh, solutions that we're looking to improve upon, but also taking some new solutions and some new directions, because as clients do things like move to cloud-based computing, there are additional services that need to be included in that to make it a good experience, right? Because again, that that waterline, in order to have the end user experience be positive, there's a different mix of things that are required below the water. Um, So uh, we're really excited about adding some additional uh, services to improve the end user experience Mm -hmm. as folks move to that uh, environment. Um, in the meantime, we're always monitoring for things like time to respond, time to schedule, time to repair, and making sure that from a service delivery standpoint, we're making or exceeding expectations. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it. To some, it might sound like the blocking and tackling and the inglorious stuff, but I also am a person who, if we can improve that performance by f- five minutes. That's a huge win to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So looking at ways to make sure that we can incrementally get better in all aspects of what we do, um, uh, because... Again, it, it, the, the, we cannot keep doing the way things have always been done. No. And it's funny because we have some clients that into a certain respect, they can. Um, we work with a company who manufactures caskets, right? And on the one hand, they've been doing the same thing. The, the, the physical construction of casket making hasn't changed. It's, right. a, it's a skill. It's a It's, a, it's, a it's box. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a trade like anything else. Right. Meanwhile, you go into their facility now, they've got monitors on the boards with all of their delivery schedules and what stage of of manufacture they're in and they've computerized and updated their operations. Oh, there you go. But the you still assemble a casket the same way. Right. So I I like it I like how in some industries maybe change is a little bit more glacial. Mm -hmm. uh, And change happens slower and they'll adopt those changes to improve production. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're still making uh, uh the the same skills and trades to do manufacture what they do hasn't changed right in our industry it's changing all the time oh, right. and so that's you uh, wake
0: up in the morning and you're like what happened
1: yeah and yeah. it would but it's that's also part of what lights the fire under you right and, and and so that's where one thing that i don't always recognize is the pace at which we work is a little bit of, uh, of an anomaly in some industries right um, but if you don't uh if you don't internalize it and accept it. It's going to chew you up. Right, right. So, that's right. what that's what makes me excited is, you know what's next.
0: Right. That's pretty awesome, Dave. Yep. Thank you so much.
1: I think we set out for this to be about 5 to 10 minutes and we just took an hour. I knew. That. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. But that's
0: okay. We'll figure that out and we'll edit it down because Ryan is a wizard. So, where can people find you if they want to know more?
1: Yep. Well, uh, when we're not working from home, I'm over at Mill 180. Uh, We're uh, on the first floor over there is where our office is located. But uh, you can find us at suite3.com. And, uh, I mean, heck, call Mo at the chamber. She knows where I am pretty much all the time, and she has my, you know, cell phone, so she'll get in touch with me. I'll find (laughs) them. I'll
0: track them down. Um, All right. Excellent. Well, thank you for being here and and, and kicking off um, 2022 with me here and Ryan uh, in the studio um, we are the Greater East Hampton Chamber of Commerce, and if you'd like to know more about the chamber, you can get a hold of me at um, info at com, or give the chamber a call, and we'd love to chat with you. And you can listen to this podcast or view this podcast on anywhere that you like to get your podcast fix. So that's that, and I want to... Remind you to smash the like button, share, subscribe, um, and we'll be off and running. And this will be up on East Hampton Media's YouTube channel also. So make sure that you like and subscribe to that as well. And I think, aside from at thanking Ryan for today and Jeff and the whole team here at East Hampton Media, peace out.
1: Peace out. Engage to succeed. Cheers.